Voyage. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a new show just released on Voyage Media called Conversations with Men I Wish I Never Had. This is a podcast where former Master Mariner and Navy Lieutenant Commander Adina Grundy has candid, raw, cathartic, and often surprisingly funny conversations with women about their experiences in traditionally male-dominated fields, like the Navy, the Merchant Marine, and Police Force. These are the types of conversations that you might only privately have with your girlfriends, but we are sharing them for you to listen to. If you're someone who has ever had an experience working as a woman in a male-dominated field, we think you will find a lot to relate to and commiserate with. Be prepared to laugh, cry, and be entertained. The first couple of episodes are already available, and we will be releasing new episodes every week. Check out Conversations with Men, I Wish I Never Had, where you get your podcasts. There I was, drunk enough to make bad decisions, but sober enough to know it. Were I sober as a judge, though, Logan's eyes would still have intoxicated me. So when he casually alluded to Jane dying, I heard myself say, How? Well? You're kidding, right? He looked at me for a moment. It couldn't have been more than a second, but it stretched out like life suddenly went into super slow motion. I saw every movement in his face, saw his eyes change. A recalibration, like gears turning, going from drive to reverse. His expression, darkly serious, brightened like the Florida sunshine. <laughs> of course. Who do you think I am? He could have been kidding, right? Just because he had that look before doesn't mean he was actually serious, right? Uh, we'd been drinking. A lot of drinking. I'd forget about it. Just a weird thing, a strange moment. He was kidding, totally kidding. He paid for breakfast, and then he said this as if it was the most normal thing in the world. Stay with me today. I'll get us a suite at the Ocean View. And then I said this like it was also the most normal thing in the world. Okay. I felt a rush of heat radiate through my body. It felt like someone would jump in and put a stop to this. Like suddenly Jane would leap in and alert Logan to who I really was. I wasn't a person who did things like this. I was a person who once thought overalls were fashionable. He took my hand and we were off. I'd been staying at a motel frozen in time from the 1980s to save money. The ocean view is definitely not from the 1980s. There's cucumber water over there. Make yourself comfortable. I'll get us a room and we can head up. I drank the cucumber water. That was so damn good. Is there something about expensive places where they get better cucumbers or something? I tried making cucumber water once in my house. It tasted sour. After I finished the cucumber water, I glanced over at Logan, who was at the front desk. He was leaning into it. His back was up. I couldn't hear what he was saying, but I knew the look on the hotel clerk's face. 
I had seen that look plenty of times when unreasonable clients were screaming at me. It was almost worse when you got the screamers who didn't yell. It just felt like screaming because they were so adamant about what they were saying. The clerk reluctantly handed Logan room key cards. The way I might have let a client slide on a price just to avoid the aggravation. He was back over to me in a flash. All set. He put his arms around me in the elevator, one hand dangerously low on my hip. And in a weird way, he reminded me of Brad, just in terms of his physique. But in every other way, he was an unknown, an alien, a mystical, seductive creature that had glommed onto me. Somewhere in the back row of my brain was a muffled shout that this was dangerous. I barely knew this man. What if I wound up chopped to pieces and fed to seagulls or something? But he had a way about him that made me feel totally safe. It was like I'd known him my entire life. He was so self-assured, but not cocky at all. He seemed so authentically him. I never felt that way, seeing it in someone else. I found myself almost jealous. Check it out. It was right on the water. We had a balcony on the eighth floor. Brad and I had a balcony room in Vegas once years ago. We went on vacation to try to rekindle the spark in our marriage. We ended up staying in the room. It was football playoffs. We had pizza and high-fived a lot. On the balcony, Logan casually removed his shirt. He saw me notice, wink, and tossed his shirt clear off the balcony. It floated away down to the beach below. Some of Logan's tattoos looked pretty edgy. When did you get the barbed wire? In Florida State Prison, five years ago. Oh. Assault conviction. Sure. I'm not excusing it. There was a guy in this bar where your shoes stick to the floor. It's in Daytona Beach. I saw him put something in this girl's drink when she went to the bathroom. I confronted him. He said some pretty terrible things and I just lost it and broke the glass all over his face. He called the cops and pressed charges. It's not like I could prove it. The drink was spilled out all over him. Well, you saved the girl. I mean, that's not a bad thing. Maybe you could have done it differently, but they should take that into consideration. That's what the judge said. I only got 18 months. The hardest part was not seeing Evie. She hugged me for like 15 minutes straight when I got out. You're a good brother. I'm the lucky one in the equation, trust me. We sat out on the balcony for a while, making idle chit-chat about our lives, Florida, what we might do for dinner. Then, in his casual way, he dropped this little phrase. When's the last time you had sex? Eight months ago, maybe. With your ex? Yeah. Probably not too good if you two split up. To be honest, it was never good. You never... What? Cheated? No. Did you think about cheating? Constantly. Everywhere I went. The cashier at the grocery store, the other dads at the kids' school. 
a running fantasy loop of imagined illicit liaisons with men who I dreamed would desire me in the way Brad never had. Then I'd look at the floor feeling horribly guilty and try to count floor tiles or cracks in the sidewalk until I stopped fantasizing. No, honestly, I never did. He smiled like he could tell I was lying. You think he cheated? Mm, I can't prove it. What do you feel? In your bones? He did. With the woman he's with now. Maybe three months before it ended. I'm sorry. I don't really care anymore. Did he ever make you... What? You know. I actually don't. The big O. Oh. <laughs> no, um, my Oscar's in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, well, I'm taking a shower. Got naked right there on the balcony. He walked inside and left the bathroom door ajar as he went into the shower. I'm embarrassed to admit what happened next. You could probably guess. I went into the shower. I thought that was plenty adventurous, but he whispered in my ear that we should go back out on the balcony, and we did. And we did. I gripped onto the railing, which creaked so loud I was sure one of our neighbors would pop onto their balcony and see us. The big O made multiple appearances. I'm embarrassed even thinking this. But it happened. Both of us, naked as a jaybird, out on that balcony. <laughs> it was probably illegal. Public indecency or whatever it's called. The truth is, I had never felt so alive. The next day was a honeymoon. We got room service, breakfast in bed. It was like a dream. I felt so pampered. Logan gave me massages and we talked and talked. He was so attentive. I had a sense of wanting to make time stand still and despairing that I knew it wouldn't. I was so relaxed. We went swimming on the beach and made out between the waves. And the rest of your family's here in Florida? Can't say I know for sure. How's that? My father died when I was nine. My mother went on the ultimate road trip when I was 14. To where? No clue. She never came back? For all I know, she could be living five minutes from here. Or she could have talked her way onto a speedboat to Cuba. Or maybe a one-way ticket to Barcelona. I'm sorry, Logan. That's terrible. It's okay. She was always real nice to me. It's not like she was beating on me or hollering at me all the time. Though to be honest, maybe it would have been easier if she was. What did you do when she left? My grandma was still alive then. She took my sister in, but she didn't have room for me. My mom had a gym membership. I started living there. I'd shower, work out, and sleep in the locker room at night. The janitor looked the other way. What did you do for money? Whatever I could think of. Like what? Hey, they have these great mojitos back at the hotel. You want one? I never drank like this. I didn't even drink like this in college. 
We had been drinking basically the entire day, really on and off since we met. I was worried that I wouldn't be able to keep up, but I also didn't want to stop. Something in me felt that if I stopped suddenly, this would change. Like when the door to a nightclub opens in the daytime and you see the harsh light of the day. What last night was magical, today is just a dirty humdrum room. Logan had done nothing wrong, but I worried anyways. That night, Logan took me to a house party. The place was gorgeous with a huge pool and a kitchen bigger than my living room. Someone was making margaritas in one of those $500 blenders. Everyone was smiling and friendly. It looked like a magazine spread come to life. Until I noticed everyone was clearly smoking crystal meth. I could tell because of the smell. I had only been around it once before in my entire life. I had a cousin who had a drug problem, and I remembered the way it smelled. Logan saw me notice. I don't use myself. I'm actually trying to get Brian and Reese over there into a sober living program. Oh, that's good. Out of the corner of my eye, I observed some of Logan's friends looking through the kitchen cabinets, but not the way if it was your house, and not the way you would if you were a guest in someone else's house. The way you would if you were robbing the house. A thought came to my mind uninvited and I shoot it back. I didn't really know that. It was prejudicial of me to assume everything about his friends, even if they were drug users. Maybe they were such good friends to be this informal in someone else's house. I mean, I'll do a little coke, but only on special occasions. This must have been one of those special occasions because Logan took me into a back room, laid out some cocaine, rolled up a dollar bill. He offered it to me first. Totally okay if you don't want to. I never tried it. So many little knives of guilt stabbed at my brain. I could hear my parents from beyond the grave scolding me. But I refused to let myself feel guilty. I worked hard my entire life, provided for my husband while his stupid indoor soccer business obviously didn't work. So he can use my money now to wine and dine Tiffany White? Why couldn't I have some fun one time? We danced among the mess heads and eventually left. We walked for what seemed like miles along the beach in the twilight. What's going on in that giant brain? You're saying I have a big head. Huge! I don't know how you don't topple over. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this has been so great with you. I haven't had this much fun in years. I could stay with you forever. But... I have a company to run, back in Delaware. This can't be forever. I'll have to go back to my life. My business is in trouble. I don't know how I can pay my alimony, save my business. I have 31 employees. They take care of their families with those jobs. And it could easily go under easily. And then what? So many problems to solve, and there is no rabbit waiting to be pulled out of my hat. And this reason you lost this big contract, that was this Jane, your friend? Mm-hmm. Then you tried to talk to her about it nicely. 
basically like speaking Portuguese to her. But yes. She had her chance to do the right thing, correct? But she still stole that contract right out from under you. She says it's just business. But after all these years of knowing her, I still don't believe it. This last one, though, it really opened my eyes. I was always making excuses for her, thinking that she'd just put on a tough front. But underneath it, there was a real friend. Ha! What a fool I have been. Has she screwed over other people like this? She underbids other bus companies all the time. Her whole business is to monopolize the work. It means her margins are teeny, so she has to get even more of the market. It's like a vicious cycle. She pays her employees the lowest wages in Delaware, no benefits. If they're sick, no pay. Her employee, Constance, had to go to her sister's funeral and Jane didn't cover her pay for the day. She had an attitude in school, but she's gotten much worse as an adult. I don't care how awful her father is, she doesn't get a pass to treat people like dirt. Would you say that Jane is a bad person? No. Okay. Yes. Yes. She might be the worst person I know. I just did not want to believe it. If tomorrow, Jane goes to cross the street and gets hit by one of those buses, what would happen the next day? I don't want that to happen to her. No, of course not. But just humor me. <sighs> She's such a control freak that no one could take over. My best guess is her employees would find jobs elsewhere. Better paying ones, probably. And all of her routes, including the ones she stole from me, would go back to their original operators. Balance would be restored in the bus universe of Delaware. The world would be a better place. Not just for you, but for what? Dozens of people? Hundreds, actually. It suddenly occurred to me that our romantic twilight stroll on the beach had an additional purpose. We were completely alone. Not a soul within a mile of us. I could do this for you. She wouldn't suffer. There was no asking if he was kidding this time. The question would have been absurd now. You'd go back to prison. She'd need to come down here. We'd get her alone and I'll do it. I can make sure the body is not discovered. No body, no crime. Have you done this before? No, but I didn't spend 18 months in prison talking about the food. I know how to do this. Sleep on it. Don't decide anything now. We went back to our room. Once Logan was soundly asleep in our bed, I slipped out onto the balcony. I called her. Ruth? Hi. It's two in the morning. Oh, sorry. Why are you awake? I snorted some cocaine. Are you drunk? Eh, a little. Look, you're gonna be fine, okay? Is that what you needed to hear? If you can't cover the alimony for a couple of months, Brad'll get over it. Your kids are grown. You always said the job was too stressful. Maybe it's a good thing. Downsize, streamline, simplify your life, you know? You could always get a job as just a driver and sell your company. 
It'd be something more manageable for you, with less responsibility. Shit, you could drive for me. Wouldn't that be fun? Why do you get to make that choice for me? I can't apologize for doing what's best for my business. Do you remember when we were in seventh grade, Naomi Stevenson and Ashley Olshinsky laughed at my overalls? They asked if I had any hate at you. They did a hee-haw noise, too. And I started to cry. And I saw you practically swell up and you, you screamed so loud and so long at them until they burst into tears. Yes. Where is that, Jane? Naomi Stevenson was flirting with Will Spitz in my bio class. I wanted to date him, and she knew that, so I needed to scare her off. She sat at the back of the class after that, and Ashley Olshansky was running against me for president of Model UN. I needed that on my extracurriculars to get into Columbia, so she dropped out of the race after that. So that, Jane, she never existed. Then it was for both of us. No. You just gave me my opening, that's all. Goodbye, Jane. I won't call you again. Wait. Hey, wake up. What? We're doing it. It took a second for him to fully wake up. When he did, he gripped my arms tenderly but firmly. Are you sure? Love, Murder, Florida is a production of Voyage Media. The series is produced by Nat Mandel, Robert Midas, and Dan Benamore. Directed by Dan Benamore. Written by Cindy Sommer and Dan Benamore. Based on an original story by Cindy Sommer. Starring Jane Lynch as Jane and Tammy Cates as Ruth. Additional cast credits available in the show notes. Edited, sound designed, and mixed by Nick Missitti. Original music by Darlis Gonzalez. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening. And subscribe now for future episodes. When 27-year-old Gretchen Fleming leaves a West Virginia bar with a former police officer on a winter night in 2022, she's never seen again. Diligent investigators close in on an ex-cop with an unlikely story and an unsettling reputation in a recent episode of the Unsolved True Crime podcast, Last Seen Alive. Last Seen Alive is a true crime podcast researched, written, and hosted by crime analyst Leah Owens. Cases covered include disappearances, homicides, and suspicious deaths, all of them unsolved, and all of them in need of tips from the public. Recognizing that the right piece of information can sometimes be the difference between a cold case and resolution, Last Seen Alive exists to bring public awareness to cases that need it. Listen to Gretchen's story and more than 100 other gripping mysteries, as told by a working crime analysis professional. Find Last Seen Alive wherever you listen to podcasts.